Today, I am continuing the series on friendship with God. In fact, I'm completing the series on friendship with God today. And if you are doing a series talking about us having a friendship relationship with God, you are not permitted to complete that series until you touch on Abraham. Because... Abraham is the person Abraham is the person that the Bible describes as the friend of God the friend of God and so we have to talk about Abraham so today we are going to look at his life and we're going to talk about why he received that title and we're also going to be looking at what that means to us because if I preach a message about being a friend of God and I don't give you the application, how does that relate to you? I haven't done my job. So let's pray, and then we'll jump right into the Word. Heavenly Father, I thank you one more time that you are good. You are so good that your goodness just hovers over us, Lord. I thank you that you are just, you are righteous, you are mighty, you are powerful, and you are friend. Lord, I ask that as we close this series on being a friend of God, that you would speak to us, Lord. Use my words, Lord. May they be your words. I simply present myself to you and say, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be accepted in your sight, O Lord our strength, and our redeemer. Amen, amen, amen. James chapter 2, verse 23. This is not going to be one of my complicated messages. I, I hear that sometimes my messages are a little deep. I'm, I'm, I'm trying today not to be so deep. I'm not sure how successful I will be, but James chapter 2, verse 23 says, and the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. He believed God and because he believed God, it was accounted to him for righteousness. And so he received this title, the friend of God. Now, the Bible talks about many people and we have focused on some of them. We have focused on Enoch. We have focused on Moses last week. Our sister Evelyn gave a wonderful service on, sermon on how we can be intimate with God. And so as we have done all of this, one question that plagues my mind is, why did Abraham receive the title of the friend of God? How on earth did this man who lived such a long time get a title that has remained with him. And so I want us to examine that right now. But let's look at the background of Abraham. He was born Abram. And when he was born Abram, we are just going to look at his ancestry. We're in Genesis chapter 11. It talks about his father. His father was a man by the name of Terah and his grandfather Nahor, and 
for some reason, I don't understand the background of it, but we get to understand that Abraham's father was an idol merchant. And I did some research using the Jewish virtual library that gives some background information and Jewish teachings that go beyond just the scripture of the verses where they write down the actual things that happened with their lives. It talks about Terah, who used to be a merchant of idols. And so he would sell idols, and he would create the best idols ever. We have some pictures of some idols here. And Abraham used to, I don't know why, but he used to tell his father, Father, why don't you get rid of those idols? They can't do anything. Get rid of them. They're no good. But it was his business. And so one day the story is told that Abraham's father was out. Everybody else was out. And Abraham, Abraham took a, a hammer and he knocked down all the other idols except the biggest one in the building. He killed, just killed the dead idols. And so his father came home and his father was upset. And so Terah asked Abraham, Abraham, why? What happened to all these idols? And Abraham said, well, dad, what happened was, I don't know if you call him dad. What happened was that the idols had a fight. And the biggest idol killed all the other idols. And his father said, that's nonsense. Idols don't have any life. And so Abraham said, so why do you worship them? I don't understand what it was about this man, Abraham, why he chose to realize or why he realized that there was just one God. But something happened in his life where he decided there is only one God and I am going to worship that one true and living God. St. Augustine said that there is a God-shaped hole in each person. He says, Lord, you have created us for ourselves and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And so St. Augustine realized that in every person, there is this thing that, that seeks to worship the true God. And sometimes we displace our worship in the wrong places. But Abraham realized that he needed to worship the one true God. And he started worshiping that one true God. And the Bible tells us in 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. God is just looking and his eyes are searching the earth and he is going from Europe and Asia and Africa and North America and South America. He's looking in the Caribbean and in the islands of the sea. And he's looking everywhere and see, he's saying, who will I find that I can show myself strong to? And while the world was worshiping idols, this man Abraham turned his eyes to worship the true and living God. And when he did that, God said, that man. I wonder how many of us here today, God will look and say, 
that woman or that man or that boy or that girl? Is your heart truly turned to him? When your heart is turned to God and you're looking at him, one thing that you have the assurance is that God's eyes are also on you because he is looking to find you and you're looking at him and your eyes catch each other and God can direct you. In Psalm chapter 32 verse 8 it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eyes. And so God is looking, and he's trying to say, who is the person whose heart is totally turned toward me? That person I want to show myself strong to. And so we need to go back and examine the life of Abraham, who later became Abraham. And we'll see why that name was changed, but... I believe that today as we examine the scriptures, we can find some secrets of the friendship with God from the life of Abraham, who became Abraham. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 that talks about the first time we are really introduced to Abraham. And I'm going to read the first five verses. Genesis chapter 12, reading from verse 1 to verse 5. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you and in you the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. That's our introduction to Abraham. And... At that time, he was simply a man who turned his heart to God. And because he turned his heart to God, God turned his heart again and his eyes to Abraham. So let's go through some quickly, and I want to show some points as to things that we can learn about being a friend of God from this man. First of all, God initiates the friendship. When we are not paying attention to God, God pays attention to us, and he is the one who reaches out. God gave his heart to seek out after us. God is the one who said, I love them. I am going to reach out to them. And notice that what it says in verse 1, it says, now the Lord had said to Abraham, in the midst of his searching for the true God, God said, I am going to speak to this one whose heart is truly turned to me. Are we willing to listen? Are we willing to turn our hearts and our eyes towards God? When we are, then God says, I will bless that person. I will touch that person. That's point number one. God initiates the friendship. Point number two. 
friendship with God is not a group activity. We can be in this church and we can have 20 friends of God, but it's not a group activity. Notice that what God said, I want you, Abraham, to get out from your family and your friends and everybody else because I have something for you and I am calling you to myself. It's not a group activity. And if you really want to touch the heart of God, you have to decide that for myself, I am going to seek after God. So Abraham's first call was to leave others because I want to talk with you, Abraham. Number three, friendship with God is very individual, but the relationship will affect others. So this is not a situation where you are isolating yourself and you're going to go into some camp in some desert, and you're going to say to people, well, we are seeking after God, so we are leaving you, and then all of a sudden you hear that you have become a cult. That's not what friendship is about. Notice that what God said is, I will bless you, and then he said, and through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Friendship with God is not a group activity. It's an individual thing, but through the friendship that you will have with God, he will touch you and cause you to be a blessing to others. This is not about isolation. Number four, to be a friend of God, there needs to be simple obedience. Simple obedience. God called Abraham and said, go. And then verse four of chapter 12 says, so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. One of the things I have noticed over the years is that Christianity has become very complicated. We have added this to Christianity and we have added that to Christianity. We have added many things to Christianity. Christianity and discipleship is about Simple obedience. God said, do something, and you said, God said, do it. I'm going to do it. And sometimes we add just so many things, and I think one of the things that we really need to understand is that there is a simplicity in the relationship with God. We used to sing this song, and I'm not a songster, but... Things are different now. Things are different now. Something happened to me when I gave my heart to Jesus. Things are different now. I was changed. It must be when I gave my heart to him. Things I loved before have passed away. Things I love far more have come to stay. Things are different now. Something happened that day when I gave my heart to him. Simple. Simple. 
Don't complicate it. You come to God. He says, this is my word. These are the things I want you to do. And you say, Lord, you want me to do those things? Lord, here I am. I'm doing those things. Simple life. And some Christians need to tell them, their friends, things are different now. Because your friends will want to hold you back from going close to God. But you have to say, God has called me to depart from here to go somewhere I'm not so sure about. But if God said, let me leave this and go here, I'm going to leave this and I'm going to go here. You need to tell some of your friends, things are different now. I am seeking hard after God. Now here's the hard part. Some Christians need to tell their Christian friends things are different now. Because not every person who says they are a Christian is seeking hard after the heart of God. And sometimes you have to leave even Christians who say, I am seeking God, but their hearts is not really, are not really turned towards God. And you have to say, I love you. I will have Put luck with you. I will meet with you every now and again. But I am seeking after God's heart. Number five. A friend of God honors the Lord even at every phase of the journey. A friend of God honors the Lord at every phase of the journey. Let me turn and read a couple of verses for you. Genesis chapter 12 verses 6 to 9. Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of, tree of Moreh. And the Canaanites were in the land. Then Abraham, then the Lord appeared. I don't know why I, I, I keep trying to fool myself. Okay, so let's, let's, let's do this right. I think when I, open, I, I put on my glasses, I suddenly become like Superman. <laughs> Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Notice two times. One more verse. So Abram journeyed, still going on toward the south. Notice two times in this very simple passage. Six to nine, Abraham built an altar and called on the name of the Lord. You want to be a friend of God? You need to worship. You need to set an altar before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to worship you. Lord, I'm going to give you my devotion. You need to build an altar to the Lord. And not only did he build an altar where the Lord called him, but he journeyed from there, and he's continuing on his journey. And he says, let me build one more altar to the Lord right here and worship the Lord right here. Because worship is a continuous thing where you say, I love the Lord so much that wherever I go, I want to have an attitude of worship before my God. Build your altar before the Lord. Later on, in Genesis chapter 13, verse 4, he returned to this place and he said, hey, let me worship the Lord right here again. Worship, worship, worship. Here, worship, there, worship, everywhere, worship, worship. Because 
that is what is built into you. Because you say, I want to have this relationship with God. Number six. Some people need to hear this one. Messing up along the way does not disqualify you from being a friend of God. Messing up along the way does not disqualify you from being a friend of God. Genesis chapter 12, verses 10 to 15. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down to Egypt and there to dwell there. For the famine was severe in the land, and it came to pass that when he was close to entering Egypt, that he saw Sarah, that he said to Sarah, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Therefore, it will happen that when the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me. But they will let you live because they like you. Please say you are my sister, that it will be well with me for your sake, that I may live because of you. So it was that Abraham came to Egypt, that the Egyptians saw that the woman, that she was very beautiful. The princes of Pharaoh also saw her and commended her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. So Abraham said to his wife, you're very pretty, and these people are going to try to kill me because of you, so pretend as if you're my sister. And of course, he tried that stunt, and the Lord plagued the house of, of Pharaoh. And because the Lord plagued the house of Pharaoh, Pharaoh came back to Abraham and said, What have you done to us? You gave me your wife as if she was your sister, and the Lord has plagued my house because of you. I could have taken her for my wife. And Pharaoh deported Moses. Because he said, get away from here. You, Abraham, thank you very much. My wife has permission to correct me because sometimes my, my mind drifts. And so she helps me. She brings me back. So it's Abraham. So here we go. Abraham messed up. He lied and he messed up. Later on, we're going to see in this, this whole thing with Genesis where God says, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son and in you, we have seen it already, but God repeats it a number of times. And he says, in you the whole world will be blessed. And you know what he did? Because he felt that, well, a number of years have passed and this hasn't been fulfilled. Maybe I should do something. And so he and his wife Sarai, they decide on a scheme. We are going to give you to the helper. That's messing up. And so Abram goes into his helper and she becomes pregnant. That is big trouble. That is what, what people in Trinidad, I'm not Trinidadian, but that's what people in Trinidad would say, that's a bacchanal. That is really Family issues. This is we talk about dysfunctional family where the head of the house is saying, Oh man, it's a dirty job, but somebody has to do it. And so he goes to his helper and gets her pregnant. That's messing up. But notice that this is the same Abraham who God blessed and said, He is 
friend of God. Messing up does not disqualify you from serving God. Messing up does not disqualify you from being a friend of God. You might have gone through a bankruptcy. You might have been foreclosed on. You might have gone through a divorce. You might have had problems with your, your family. You might have been to jail. You might have been through many things. It doesn't matter. It does not disqualify you from being a friend of God. Because the friendship with God is scandalous. The friendship with God takes you from where you are to a place that you need to be. Number seven. When you're a friend of God, he celebrates you. When you're a friend of God, he celebrates you. Melchizedek, in Genesis chapter 14 reading from verse 18 to 20. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of the heaven and earth. And he blessed, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Let me explain who Melchizedek is. Melchizedek is somebody who, his name means, my king is righteous or legitimate. And people have researched, Bible scholars have researched, and they have discovered that Melchizedek is a symbol of the pre-incarnate Christ. Before Jesus Christ came as a child, there are several times in the Old Testament that he appeared to men. And one of the times that he appeared was in this form, the form of Melchizedek, the king of Salem. And the thing about this passage in Genesis chapter 14 is that Abram meets this man, Melchizedek. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews that Melchizedek is someone who had no father. The Bible didn't tell us about any father. It didn't tell us about anything else. He just appeared on the scene. Then he went off. But the thing that we need to understand is that when Melchizedek brought bread and wine to Abram, what was happening is that Melchizedek was bringing the banquet of a king to Abram. In other words, God was celebrating this man who has, whose heart was turned towards him. God was saying, I am celebrating you because of your loyalty to me. I am celebrating you because your heart is turned towards me. Sometimes we think that when we are serving God, it's a one-way thing. That we serve God and serve God and serve God and then eventually he gives us a crown when we die. But God is celebrating you. We sing this song sometimes, you dance over me. That's what God is doing. He is celebrating you through all the difficulties you are going through. Through all the trials. Through the good times. Through the bad times. Through the times when you are up. God is celebrating you because he's saying, that's my friend, I love him. That's my friend, I love her. Psalm chapter 23 says, he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemy. The Lord is celebrating you. 
The Bible says his thoughts are good towards you. He is celebrating you. The Bible tells us that his eyes are on you. The Bible tells us that he's, you, we are the apple of his eyes. It's not that it's just a one-sided relationship where you are loving God and you are serving God and you are doing all these things. No, God's heart is for you and he is celebrating you and he said I love this person so much that's what the friendship is all about because when you have a friend and the friend is loving you but you don't love the person or you love the friend but the friend doesn't love you that's not true friendship but the friendship with God is where God himself is also celebrating you number seven Friendship with God is not about rules. There is a spirit of generosity towards God. Abraham, in this passage right here, he says, Abraham gave a tithe to Melchizedek. He says, and Abraham gave him a tithe of all. Notice that what happened is, verse 21, verse 20. Chapter 14, verse 20. And he gave him a tithe of all. This was long before God instituted the rules of giving 10% back to him. Because Abraham realized, I love the Lord so much that I want to be generous to him. In fact, sometimes I think that when Abraham gave a tithe to all, of everything to, to the Lord, a tithe is 10%. When Abraham gave Melchizedek 10%, God probably said, hey, that's nice. I'm going to institute a thing about tithing. Because it's a friendship relationship. And he said, I, out of the generosity of my spirit to the Lord, I want to give the Lord of, of all the best things that I have. There's a spirit of generosity with your time. There's a spirit of generosity with your substance to the Lord that supersedes the law, that supersedes anything else because tithing was not yet introduced. But Abraham said, let me honor the Lord. Number seven. I said number seven already. This is eight. God shares his heart with his friends. God shares his heart with his friends. The Bible tells us that the Lord is not going to keep secrets from his friends. And sometimes when the Lord plans to do something, he says, let me first tell my friend because I want my friend to understand what's going on. And God will reveal things to you through dreams. God will reveal things to you through prophecies. God will reveal things to you through impressions in your spirit. Because God just wants to talk with you because you know why? You're his friend. And so there was a time that the people of Sodom and Gomorrah were very evil and they were wicked. And God said, I'm going to destroy this, this city of Sodom and Gomorrah. But I cannot hide it from my friend, Abraham. And so God said, Abraham, I'm going to really destroy this nation, this, this, this group of people. And Abraham said, well, Lord, let me just ask you, if you find 50 people, will you destroy them? And God said, no. And Abraham said, well... I said 50, but what if you find 45 righteous people? 
And God said, no, I won't destroy it for 45 people. And said, well, let me ask you one more time. Will you destroy it for 40? God said, no. Well, what about 30? What about 20? And he took him down to, if you find 10 righteous people, will you? This is negotiation between a friend and a friend. Because God will listen to you when you spend the time with him. When the relationship grows, God says, I want to hear what you have to say. And sometimes somebody is sick, and because you're a friend of God, and you declare healing over the person, God says, yes, I am going to heal that person because you are my friend and you have declared it. Because God honors the friendship relationship that he has with you. Next point is that God may not show you the way, but he often shares the destination. God may not show you the way, but he often shares the destination. Genesis chapter 15. Then he brought him outside. This is God to Abraham. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward the heaven. Count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. God told Abraham, just look outside. Look outside. Look up in the sky. You see all those stars? Can you count them? That's your destination. That's where I'm taking you. Now, God didn't say, Abraham... You're going to leave this land, and you're going to go here, and you're going to go there, and you're going to do this, and you're going to do that. And you're going to God didn't give him the entire plan, but God said, this is where I'm taking you. And sometimes you have to rely on the word that God has placed in your heart, because sometimes between the calling and the destination, there's a lot of things that will happen. But if you know that God has declared it, you just look out to God and say, Lord, I have not seen it, but you have said it will happen. And because I'm your friend, I am going to trust you because you will take me to the place that you said you're going to take me to. In 1997, in April 1997, I had this dramatic call to ministry where the Lord woke me up out of my bed and said, today I have separated you for ministry. And I didn't understand what that meant. And in April 2011, the Lord used me to launch Go Church. Fourteen years later, Sometimes when God calls you, there is a process that takes you through different things and you don't quite know how it's going to fit together. You don't quite know how this element is going to fit with that element. It's a lot of things, but the Lord says, that's the destination. Trust me to take you there. And that's this whole thing about trusting your friend. When you have a friend, you want to know that you can trust your friend. And so when we understand the secrets of friendship with God, things will fall into place quite quickly. In Genesis chapter 18, which is your homework today, read Genesis chapter 18 about this developing friendship with God. But the Lord appears to Abraham. And the Lord comes with two other people. 
So these, these three men turn up and Abraham is wondering what's going to happen. And he immediately realizes this is the Lord. This is the same person that I've met before. And I want to honor him. And so because Abraham had been in a place where he realized that God was the one who initiated the friendship. And that friendship is not a group activity, but he has to leave from himself and go somewhere else. And because he realized that even though he's an individual, God wants to use him to bless the world. And because he realized that God wants him to have a simple obedience to him. And because he realized that he needs to worship God at every phase of the ministry. And because he realized that it's not about rules, but a spirit of generosity to God. And because he realized that God also shares his heart with his friends. Abraham was in a place where he said, let me run and meet these people. And he said to God, God, don't just pass here. Let me prepare some food for you. And Abraham went and he prepared some food for the Lord. And as he prepared the food, he said, just, just settle here. Let me just spend some time with you. And that's when this negotiation that I just mentioned took place. Because everything was in place. And that's what we need to do. Get our lives in the place where we honor God in every way. So I have taken some time during this series to talk about friendship with God. I spoke about Enoch who walked with God and we looked at Moses and we mentioned a few other persons, but now that we have seen what it means to be a friend of God, the question I believe God wants us to answer today is, what will you be willing to give up to have a friendship with God? What will you be willing to give up to have friendship with God? In Genesis chapter 22, we read about the story of Abraham. After he had journeyed with God a little bit further, and God gave him a son through his wife, not through his helper anymore, but this time through his wife. And God gave him this child, and the son had been growing up. And God asked him, Abraham, Abraham, I want you to go and sacrifice your son. And I have a little video. I'm going to play the video and I'm going to talk us through it. But as we look at this situation and we think about Abraham, did he talk to his wife about it? Did he share what was in his heart when God said, I need you to make this sacrifice? How did it go with him? How did he feel when he had to journey to the hills? And this is a modern take that we're seeing on the screen. But how did it feel when he had to take this journey with his son? And sometimes in the friendship that we have, God is going to ask us to make sacrifices. Have we gotten to the place where we say, yes, Lord, I trust you enough to make the hard choices? To journey with you. If we can just jump on that video 
to about one minute before the end of it. Because, too far, because what happened is that God is calling us to make a significant sacrifice. And sometimes, sometimes it is going to cost us our son. Sometimes it's going to cost us the thing that we care about, the things that we want, the things that we believe in. What are you willing to give up for your friendship with God? And so here we have Abram about to sacrifice his son and how it must be difficult for him to make such a sacrifice with the son he loved. I believe that God is saying, my son and my daughter, I want to be your friend. What are we willing to give? What are we willing to give for this friendship with God? Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters here today. Lord, we have seen clearly how you want to be our friends. You want us to be your friend, Lord. You want to walk with us. You want to talk with us. You want to speak into our lives. And you have called us away from families and friends and you have just simply called us to come alongside you. Lord, you're calling us to a sacrifice. I ask you, Lord, may we be truly willing to make that sacrifice. Lord, I pray that in spite of everything in our lives, Lord, we would walk with you. Lord, I ask lay your hands on each and everyone here today, Lord. I ask you, Lord, that you would just grant that our spirits would yearn after you. Lord, in the stillness of this moment, I just ask you, speak to my brothers and sisters here and grant Lord that we would make the decision to walk with you. Heavenly Father, may your spirit just come upon your people. May your spirit, Lord, hover over us, Lord. Lord, you are calling us out from our brothers and sisters, our friends, you're calling us, Lord. So I ask you, Lord Jesus, speak into our lives. May we have a simple understanding, Lord, a simple understanding of what it means just to follow you, 
My brothers and sisters, the Lord is calling you today. He is saying your life will never be the same if you will take this journey with me. He is saying that if you will take the time to meet with me, I will meet with you. He is saying that nothing you have done in the past will separate you from me because I have called you to myself. So Father, thank you for the call. Thank you for the call, Lord. My brothers and sisters, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his shalom, shalom, his perfect peace. Please stand. Now go into all the world and proclaim the gospel of the Lord and know that as you go, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Go in peace in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, amen.